Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey, what's up, you guys? Jeff Cohn here with another episode of the Team Building Podcast, where we interview top team leaders, broker owners, and thought leaders from across the country. I'm really excited today to be hosting Avery. I'm going to read her intro and bio written by Pursuing Results. was very impressed. Um, Avery Carl is the author of Amazon's bestseller. The name of the book is Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth your guide to analyzing, buying, and managing vacation properties. And she's the host of the Short-Term Show podcast. So I'm sure she'll, she'll talk about that a little bit today. She's also the CEO of the Short-Term Shop, the country's top short-term rental and Airbnb real estate agency. The Short-Term Shop has connected investors with over 5,000 cash-flowing short-term rental properties since 2018. Avery went from a $37,000 a year salary to a real estate portfolio of over 220 doors. Damn it, you have me beat. In five <laughs> years, through strategically investing in short-term and vacation rentals. This strategy allowed her to grow her portfolio much more quickly than starting off with traditional long-term rentals. It's her goal to help as many investors reach financial independence through short-term rental investing as possible. Avery, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's get right into it. Why don't you share with the audience where you started before you started acquiring all these doors? It's a, just in the last five years, over 200 short-term rentals slash Airbnbs, which is super impressive. What were you doing for that $37,000 a year income? Oh, I was working in the music industry and what I thought was going to be my dream job. So um, I graduated from, and I'm not going to say this in front of a bunch of Nebraskans, but University of Texas uh, in 2009. I had a soft degree, communication degree, which is the worst time in the history of the world to graduate with a communications degree because there were no jobs. So I bartended and played guitar in an all-girl punk rock band, toured around the world, did all that fun stuff. How um, do we find those pictures? Um, there it's called, it was called the applicators. <laughs> okay. There you go, guys. If you want to look it up and we yeah. were chatting with Avery a little bit off stage, um, because our producer Dana, who's with us today is also a rock star. And it sounds like Avery's husband knows Dana from his Omaha, Nebraska days, like decades ago. So mm -hmm. Dana is feeling, feeling very fulfilled today. I didn't travel around the world though. Oh, I'm sure you did a little bit, Dana. <laughs> the nation a little bit. Okay. <laughs> All right, Avery. So you got a degree. You were, it was hard pressed finding something in 09. So you're mm -hmm. bartending, playing music, having fun, doing something you thought was living the dream, but probably started feeling friction and the money wasn't where it needed to be to live your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just like, you know, there's a shelf life when it comes to female musicians and bartenders, unfortunately, like, you know, if it's, if it hasn't happened by the time you're like 25, it's probably not going to happen. So I went back and got my master's degree and I said, what? I met Luke, who is from Omaha in New York City, where we were living at the time. And we moved to Nashville back when Nashville was affordable. I got my master's. Uh, he's actually a DJ on Sirius XM. So there was a serious office there that he could work out of. And our real estate agent at the time was really trying to get us to buy in this like super hip area of Nashville that was appreciating a lot. And we were like, 
we're moving from Brooklyn to Tennessee. We want to go out in the country. We don't want neighbors. We don't want neighborhoods. But we had a little bit of money left. And so we said, well, maybe if we buy one of those houses and then we have kids one day in 25 years when they go to college, then maybe we can just sell it and pay for their school out of the, out of that appreciation instead mm-hmm. of out of our pockets. And we thought we were like these geniuses and nobody's ever thought of this. We didn't know it was called real estate investing. We didn't know it was stupid to invest in something based on appreciation. Um, so long story short, we bought something having no idea what we were doing. It actually cash flowed a thousand bucks over the mortgage every month, which is great for a long term. So from there, we said, oh man, this is actually really cool because I was making after deductions about a thousand bucks a month. So we said, we just doubled my income. Let's yeah, figure one out house, one yeah, house, one... you're making double what you were making. Yeah. <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So we said, well, what can we buy that's going to make us the most amount of money, the fastest so that we can buy more. And it was only at that point after we'd spent $25,000 on a down payment that we started educating ourselves on real estate investing. Um, And we we landed on short-term rentals, but we didn't want to do it in Nashville because the regulations are just changing all the time and we couldn't afford to buy something and be told in two years we can't do it. So we bought a cabin in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, about three hours east of Nashville. Yeah. Uh, long story short, figured out how to self-manage that remotely without having to pay a property manager 40% of our gross, which is what it was back then. What is the normal now, just out of curiosity? 20%. For a short term. And For a when, short term. When you say short term, is this like Airbnb? Could Airbnb, it also include VRBO, HomeAway? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. So any anything short term. Yeah. Anything short, typically under 30 days. Okay. Uh, but ours are all between like three and seven days. People rarely stay more than seven. Um, so scaled one of those into five over about a year and a half. Over the course of that time, I got my license just so I could do our deals and move a little quicker. And also because Luke is is really embarrassing sometimes. And and uh, I was tired of apologizing to agents for my- With like the offers or his negotiating no, strategies no, or what? So he just spent a really long time in the bar business in New York. So where I would handle something by saying like, hey, do you think maybe we could work on this a little bit? He's like, you know, slamming people's heads into car doors and things and it just doesn't work. So- uh, <laughs> I need to meet Luke. Yeah, yeah, he's That's awesome. Funny. Yeah, so got my license and it just kind of evolved very organically where people would, friends would say, oh, you're making how much on that cabin? Help me buy one, teach me how mm-hmm. to do it. And then it became the short-term shop. We started in the Smokies. Now we have 75 agents in 18 markets, all short-term rentals. And our thing is like, if you buy use our agents to buy a short-term rental, we'll walk you through the entire setup and management process. So we teach you how to manage it, how to use all the property management tools, et cetera, so that you don't have to pay a property manager 20% of your growth. That's a lot when it's a short-term. You know, It's not that much when it's a $100,000 long-term, but on short-term, that can be a lot of money. Yeah, 100%. What are you guys using or recommending just on a, and this is kind of going down another rabbit hole, but we, as I talked to you before off, off stage, uh, we do focus on property management now, mortgage, title, insurance, all the verticals of real estate. From a PM standpoint, when it is a short term, and I don't disagree with you, mm-hmm. I own several short term rentals as well. And I know it's a nightmare finding companies that even for the 20% will do a good job. And I, I have learned one of the biggest things is just simply answering questions. If someone says, hey, does that have a coffee machine? Or hey, does he have a hairdryer? Like these little questions are the different difference of making $3,000 or not making 3000 And it's hard to find people that are responsive. So I don't disagree with that strategy. What is the platform? Would you mind sharing with our listeners that you guys are using for managing those short terms? Like yeah. Are there so some tech there, stacks? 
there are a thousand that you can use. For us, we use Hospitable as a property management software. So it automates a lot of that stuff. Then we use Price Labs for our pricing tool. And then we also use um, Touchday, which is a digital desk book, like, dig- sorry, digital guidebook. So it'll have the answers to all of those questions like, oh, do you have a drip coffee maker or a K-cup or what's this or what's that? All of that is in there so that basically you're trying to answer all of their questions before they ask them. And um, Hospitable has a really cool new AI plugin where it can answer, you can program it to answer all those questions when they oh, ask. Wow. Yeah. You'd mentioned Price Labs, and this is really neat. I love like predictable analytics and AI. Uh, the Price Labs makes a recommendation, I'm guessing, as to what you should price the short-term rental based on what else is available in the market. I believe Airbnb has something baked into their platform, but then you're just looking at the other Airbnb listings. Does Price Labs take into account Airbnb, VRBO, hotels maybe that you're competing against? Yes, actually. So price count, all of those things. So I think uh, definitely hotels, Airbnb, Verbo, uh, booking.com, they're watching all of the prices. And if they see like a cluster of things, whether it's hotel rooms or properties, get booked at higher prices, then it'll start bumping you up. So a lot of people think that it's like manages calendars and like knows, okay, there's going to be this like hot rod show in town and we're going to bump it up. What it's doing is watching what other people are doing. And if they're getting booked higher, then it'll bump you up. So it's just, it's yeah. tracking other people's costs. Yeah, pretty much. Right. And, and naturally with supply and demand, economics 101, if the cost is going up, then it's going to suggest to you that you go up and it's automated. So you don't have to actually go into your platform and increase the price or does it just give you a notification and then you do have to manually go in and update the pricing? You can set it to either way. So you can set it to just tell you to where you don't have to or to where you have to actually click the button or you can set it to be automatic or you can go in there and just say, okay, here's my floor. Here's my ceiling. Even if you want it to go higher than that, we're going to put the ceiling here so it won't. So you can do a lot of things with it. I'm curious (laughs) too. And I I try to ask questions I think the audience is going to ask. And some of these are selfish. So this might be a selfish one. But what percentage of people that are acquiring short-term rentals acquired doors that they are acquiring because they personally want to travel to that location, but they're okay that while they're not traveling there, they can offset their carrying costs by renting it out to somebody else. I have a property in Scottsdale and that's the reason that I have it. So I was just curious if that's kind of normal or if that's kind of an outlier. Yeah, no, it is. It is normal. So I would say people who are more towards the beginning of their investment career will go more for, okay, this, this place, this town is in my budget and I can cash flow well here. I'm going to do this. So they'll do that for their first few. And then once they have an established portfolio, then, you know, maybe like now that we're at 220 or 245 doors, only eight of them are short-term rentals, by the way, the rest of them are traditional, like multifamily, single family, okay. long-term Okay. Um, but now that we've got a portfolio, we're like, well, you know what, Luke, I got to pick where we live. So we live uh the beach in Florida, but Luke grew up going fishing in Wyoming. And so he, we might buy something there. It may not be like the best place to buy a cash flowing short-term rental, but it would be more of like a lifestyle asset for us. So we would just rent out when when we're not there to hopefully put a dent in its expenses, but we're not really looking to cash flow. There's there's plenty of people out yeah. there like that as well. Just break even and then hope for appreciation. Because there's so many people I'll listen to and a lot of people that listen to this podcast that you have, maybe someone has a dream of having a mountain home or like you said, in a place where you can go fly fishing or a beach home or whatever the case might be. And people think that's only for millionaires. And it really isn't. 
because of the short-term rental platform, you can do it and offset if you just break even. And I've seen most people are due cash flow and properties over the last three, four years have been insane. I mean, we've seen properties double, if not even triple in certain markets. So I love that platform for that. And just to reiterate, you did say out of your 200 and almost 50 doors, only about 10 are short-term and the rest are long-term. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So that's the same as us. I own about 200 doors and we have about five short term. We want to acquire more. One of another, one of the other questions I have though, specific to short term, we've noticed that in a lot of communities, and I think it's county-based, they're trying to force short-term rentals out. So you'll have neighborhoods, obviously, with HOAs that say no short terms allowed. Maybe it's a monthly or more. Some say six months or more. But we've seen entire cities now saying, hey, we don't want to have short terms in our city. Do you, could, do you have any experience in that? Or can you speak to that as to why people, why communities wouldn't want short-term rentals? Yeah, yeah. So we try to only open offices in and or buy properties in areas that are like true vacation markets. So Omaha, for example, it would make sense for maybe us to buy a vacation home in Omaha because Luke's parents still live there. And so we go there often. But I don't like to buy in urban areas like that because there's a lot of primary homeowners. It's not dependent on tourism. Like down here in Destin, the entire economy is dependent on tourism. There's very little hotels. Everybody that comes here that the economy depends on is staying in short-term rentals. I I thought our number one gross domestic product in Nebraska was (laughs) tourism. That's what I was told growing (laughs) up. You know, you'd assume corn if you've ever driven I-80, but <laughs> tourism is what I was told because we have the number one zoo in the country. People come all over just for the zoo. It's the largest indoor jungle in the world. I Yes, Not I went joking. there and got COVID from being in that desert dome. Oh, no. Yeah. The desert dome got you COVID? The desert it's just dome, a dome yeah. of COVID. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it was. It was the bats. Oh, but it is awesome. Dana, it was it the was. bats in the basement, the caves. By the way, for those listening, this is all real. There's this huge cave, indoor dome she's talking about, the largest indoor jungle. Uh, COVID's gone now. You're safe. Can I say that? I can't probably say that now. I could get sued. Not to omit the last 10 seconds. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jeff Cohn, founder of Elite Real Estate Systems, today's team coaching solution. We're excited to invite you to our 2023 Team Building Summit, powered by Elite Real Estate Systems and our industry partners. Join us in downtown Omaha, Nebraska from May 31st to June 2nd, 2023, and hear from high-level team leaders, broker owners, industry experts, and thought leaders from across the country. Learn from their business methodologies that made them dominant powerhouses. Learn more about this content-filled two-day event at theteambuildingsummit.com. See you in May. All right. So where are we now? So today you're over 5,000 doors. And when we say that you've helped over 5,000 people, I'm assuming you don't personally own. So what's that platform look like? If someone wanted to reach out to you from our network and say, hey, help me find my next door. Do you sell them the door? Do you assign it to them and make it like a wholesale compensation? Or do you partner in the door or both? No, we just help them buy it and teach them how to manage it. So um, wholesaling in a lot of the states that we're in is actually illegal for agents to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what we do is we help them find a property. So if you want to buy something with us, you'll come to me and you'll say, Hey, you know, I don't really know what market I'm in, which markets are you in? Uh, and we'll kind of narrow down a market, which normally the number one determining factor is going to be people's budgets. Cause a lot of like a lot of short-term rentals, the good ones are like seven, 800. Um, but we do have markets where everything is sub 250. So we figure out what the budget is, what your comfort level is, where you want to be. And then we'll figure out the market. And then I've got, local agents in each market. So if you want to buy in the Smoky Mountains, then I'll 
I'll connect you with one of our agents there. We have analysis tools, data tools to help you figure out how things should be able to perform. We help you get the property, get it under contract, you know, make sure you're buying something in the right area. Cause there is, you know, there's a lot of data and stuff out there, but a local agent really is you have, you can't go off of just data. Like for example, in the Smokies, again, there's one street that the city dump is like two streets over and you can't see it. You probably wouldn't know this if you just drove by it, but it smells terrible when the wind is blowing the wrong way. So the data can't tell you that kind of stuff. So that's where we kind of come in with the local agents and say, okay, we understand this data. We're helping you analyze this. Here's, you know, what we know, why you don't want to buy on this street, why that's better, help you get the property. And then Luke, our, our resident Nebraskan uh, takes over teaching all of our clients how to manage the property end to end. So by the time they close with us, they already know what they're doing. They're ready to go. They're not floundering around with a $700,000 property that they've just closed on that they don't know what to do with. Yeah. So they always have that point person they can go to to ask questions. What if they don't want to manage it themselves? Do you have a national company that you point to, or do you just point to local companies that you have relationships with? It just kind of depends. Uh, usually it will be a local company because the way short-term rental management has evolved, uh, at first it was like, you don't want to use a local company because they're all, you know, a hundred years old, mom and pop. They're not optimizing technology. You want to go with one of the big newer national ones. And now that's kind of shifted. So now there's a lot of local managers that have popped up in the last two years that started out just as investors. They are optimizing technology. They have improved all of those things that the old school local local managers weren't doing a good job of. So now it's kind of shifted away. Like the bigger companies aren't doing, the big national ones aren't necessarily bringing in as much income for their owners as the local more optimized kind of hip ones are. Mm-hmm. So typically it will be a local one. Um, we don't okay. get too many people that want management, but um, we just have some local referrals if they do. Do you have any guesses as to what percentage of short terms are self-managed and or what percentage of long terms are self-managed? <sighs> um, Dana, do you, as you she thinks about that answer, do you remember when we interviewed Brad Larson, Dana? He spoke to this and I told him I'm getting a blank, but I think he said 50-50. That long, like for the long-term rentals. And that's probably because a majority of people that own rental only own two to three rentals. They don't own 150 rentals, but I would guess on short-term, I have no idea. Do you think most are short are per, you know, privately managed or do you think people go and hire somebody at that 20% mark? I think most of them currently, it, it really depends on the investor themselves. Like if they're at a, what I call growth mode, where they're like trying to get doors and get doors and get enough capital to get more doors, they're self-managing. But if they're like in that cruise mode where they're yeah. like, you know what? I've got 250 already. I don't need to work quite so hard. We can just put this with a manager now. Then they might want a manager. But we get... Yeah. Since we have all of our training, we get mostly the newer ones that are in growth mode. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't get as many clients who are just like already have a thousand doors and are ready to just park it. Yep. Any cool tricks uh, for the short terms? I saw on a Airbnb I stayed at recently. I've seen it. I've seen the full spectrum of like um, a huge monitor that's like a giant iPad. So it's like a touchscreen, 27 inch flat screen that had all the information about the property, but it was a $6 million vacation home in Scottsdale. And so you could click on all these things, watch videos on how do I light the grill? How do I do this, that, or the other? Then I saw the most basic version and it looked like a piece of art. It was a big picture, but inside of it, it was black and white and it was all the instructions for the house. So it looked like art, but then when you got up close, you're like, oh my gosh, this is cool. It's like all the details about the property. So it's like, instead of having a book that sits somewhere on a coffee table, it's just up on the wall, which I Mm -hmm. kind of like. Anything like that, that that you guys have done? 
So those, I can't remember who does those. So, but we like to have the digital ones because all of it, we don't, we only live near two of our properties. The rest of them are in Tennessee. So the problem with the ones on the wall is you have now you a piece one of change. that you have yeah. to maintain. Yeah. yeah that's annoying. So, yeah. Yeah. So we try to stick to the digital stuff. Um, I actually caught a lot of heat on my Instagram recently because I made fun of, I said, you have to be using a digital guidebook. You cannot be using like a binder on the counter with like kids' fingerprints on it. And mm-hmm. people are like, you just alienated people who don't use tech. I'm like, well, you kind of need to use it. Yeah. Who's not using like, tech? I mean, wait, yeah. <laughs> how did you make your reservation again? Yeah, exactly. How did you make your reservation for my property? <laughs> no, I love it. So what do you use for your tech? Are you using an iPad? Is it an iPad mini? What's that look like inside the property? <laughs> So uh, for us, the our digital guidebook just sits right inside. It sends to them when they book on Airbnb or Verbo. So it's hosted on touchday.com, which is you know a company that does the, these digital guidebooks. They give you templates to add in everything you want to add in and make it really cool. And it just sends it to them digitally when they book. Oh, so they have so it before not, they get to the house. There's not even a device. This is just no. sent to their phone. Okay. Yeah. Right to That's their phone. what I think it should be. That's so simple. Yeah. Yeah. Way easier. Uh, what do you guys do for HVAC? Are you using a nest in all the properties? So we use um, Honeywell T9. So uh, they're a little easier to use than nests. So uh, I found we did have nests for a little bit and renters just can't figure out how to use them because nests yep. are meant to learn and be smart and understand yep. where you want the temperature. So you can't really have something learning and then a new guest checks yeah, in. Everyone's different. Yeah. So you're using the Honeywell. Um, I've used Honeywell products. They do a great job. And then are you doing anything with cameras on the entrance? Oh, yeah. So we have, um, we use ring doorbells, ring doorbells, ring ring floodlights. So only on the front of the property, you have to be really careful. You can't have it like inside the property or facing the pool or anything. And then we also have, uh, we use Schlage Encode digital locks where you can change it remotely. So uh, pretty much all that stuff is digital. We don't have- Is all this in your book? Yeah, okay. So imagine for everyone listening, like it's not as hard as you would think if you own a property 3,000 miles away or even on the other side of the world, you can see when the person's come in or out. The you have a digital lock that can change the code every time a new person has come in or out, or someone that's left and you know that they've done some vandalism, you can literally lock them out of the property once they've exited. Um, You can control all the information about the property. Of course, you're pushing out to them. You can charge everything digitally. The only physical thing, correct me if I'm wrong, Avery, is the human element of someone coming in to to clean up the property between stays. And in every local market in the world, there are people that can come and clean the property. And guess how they gain access? The exact same way the tenants go in and gain access. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Cool. Well, how would someone go about getting in touch with you if they do want to go look at their first property, if they have questions, if they want to give you a shout out, if they want to pick up the book, what are the best uh, ways for someone to reach out to you? Yeah, the best way to reach out to me is on Instagram. It's at the short term shop. Or if you're interested in buying one, you can go to the short term shop.com. We have a button that says instant agent where you can put in your market, you'll get connected with one of our agents instantly. Or we do have a every Thursday, we have a a live zoom call that you can go to strquestions.com to sign up for that. And we are always hiring agents in true mature vacation market. So if this, you know, agent audience, if any of you guys are interested in joining the team, uh, you can reach out to us. Uh, you can hit me at avery at the short term shop.com because we're always opening new offices. So 
Oh, that's a really good idea. Cool. Yeah. So guys, take advantage of all of this. Lots of great content today, Avery. Thank you so much. I uh, would love to extend an invitation to everyone listening and as, of course to Avery and your husband if you'd like to come out and attend our annual, and this is our fifth annual team building summit. We expect a couple hundred real estate agents, team leaders, thought leaders from across the country. It's a two-day event at the Marriott Capital District, downtown Omaha, Nebraska. May 31st is our welcome party. And then the event's going to run June 1st and June 2nd. Um, the event tickets are $397, which is super inexpensive for all the value you get. We This is a break-even event. We drive zero revenue at the event. Our only upsell is inviting people to join our coaching company, Elite Real Estate Systems. Uh, but there's a lot of really good value. We have over 20 speakers coming, several keynotes, several surprise speakers. And we're going to be unveiling something we've been working on for over three years, which is our Powered by platform, where we're going to help real estate teams and brokerages launch verticals in mortgage, title, insurance, property management, and investing. So this couldn't have come, Avery, at a better time than having you on the show. Uh, please go out onto whatever app you're using to follow podcasts and give us a five-star review. Give a shout out to Avery for spending her time with us today. Thank you so much, Avery. Congrats. Good luck getting to 10,000 doors. Once you do, we would love to bring you back on our show. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah.